What in heaven's name brought you to Casablanca? My health. I came to Casablanca for the waters. The waters? What waters? We're in the desert. I was misinformed. Well, that is Leah Efko and I'm Eric Spee, and we're here today with Kelly Hill. That was not Claude Rains, and I am not Humphrey Bogart, but that is from the classic film Casablanca. And if you know anything about Casablanca, the film from uh, the 1940s, it is a film about refugees and immigrants escaping Nazism, fleeing to this uh, city in North Africa, and they all come from someplace else to be in Casablanca to get to another place. Well, that's kind of what life's like for us here in South Florida. Uh, we're from Sharon Hills Christian School. This is our first podcast episode. Uh, and I can tell you that we feel sometimes like we're in that film, Casablanca. Everybody comes here from somewhere else and is heading to usually another location. Mm. Um, we, uh, we, you do have two natives here. We have Leah Efko, one of our humanities teachers. She is actually from South Florida, which is rare, although she was educated in Manhattan. So I suspect that that disqualifies you um, <laughs> from being a true South Floridian. Um, but, uh, and I myself, Eric Spee, am from uh, South Florida. Uh, born and raised, and then Kelly Hill, our classical coordinator, she comes to us um, from Alabama, but also with a stop with her and her family in Zambia, where they were missionaries. So from Zambia to uh, back to Alabama and then to South Florida. So here we are, three classical Christian educators talking about classical Christian education in one of the least likely places to have it, which is here in South Florida. Uh, when you think about us, you think about you know, whether it's Chicago, New York, L.A., Miami's right up there. So um, really just opening question here. Kelly, we'll start with you. What makes our school in this area, which is sort of between Miami and Fort Lauderdale, we can be in Fort Lauderdale in 15 minutes and Miami in 20. So what makes us unique as a classical Christian school? Right. Um, well, so Miami-Dade County and Broward County, two of the largest school systems in the United States are our local high schools have students in the thousands and thousands. Our elementary schools have students in the thousands and thousands. And here we are, uh, preschool through 12th grade, we just break 600. So we're smaller. Um, that's one thing that uh, makes us unique in a very big and bustling city. And also, uh, we actually look just like our community, which is really cool. Um, sometimes classical Christian schools may look very um, homogeneous and not necessarily like the people that live in their neighborhoods. And, and, which, and what Kelly means by that is uh, of our school's population of 600 students, we're very roughly year to year about 30% white, 30% black, 30% Hispanic, and 10% from everywhere else. Um, even Hispanic, when you think South Florida, a lot of people listening to this from outside of our area might think uh, Cubans. And sure, we have lots of Cubans here, but now, uh, just as we brought it from the movie Casablanca, there's people who have escaped uh, Venezuela, the troubles down there that are here, uh, Honduras, uh, Mexico. Uh, my wife is Colombian. They came here in a time of trouble. So uh, it's a very unique, diverse environment. We have a lot of Haitians, um, Jamaicans, Bahamians. Uh, and then our 10%, I mean, who, who would have thought we have a large Romanian, Russian, and Ukrainian population here? Uh, that come to our school and, and live in our area, Portuguese from, uh, speakers from Brazil. So it really is a diverse environment. Uh, that's something that's very unique for a classical school. Um, and then I would also add that we have a lot of first-generation Americans. Mm -hmm. I mean, they didn't come here. Um, right. Many of them came here recently is what I mean by that. They, they're not, they're not uh, long-time Americans. So even though, yes, they, they're here, they're, 
it's the American dream. They're, they're working many jobs to put their child in a Christian education, a class, a quality classical Christian school. And so, um, there might be a disconnect between what the parents know and what their children are learning, and yet they see the value in it. They're working hard at it, uh, and, and both both parents oftentimes work. Um, so it's it's a to me it's a beautiful thing. Um, what do you think, Leah? As you as you go through this, yeah, I think another thing um, that we see a lot. Well, I know I certainly see a lot as an English teacher, um, but is we have a lot of households where English is not the their first language or the language that's spoken at home. Um, which can prevent, I mean, can cause some unique challenges in the classroom, but it can also um, really add some things uh, to our classroom discussion and when we're talking about the origins of different ideas and different words to have all of these different cultures that are represented there. Um, that is not something that you typically get in a classical school. Um, I would add to that, we are a transient community. So, Whereas in other places, you might have kids who enroll as kindergartners and you see them all the way through to 12th grade. We do have some that fit that. Um, we have good uh, retention of the ones who live here that long. But we also have quite a few students who arrive in fourth grade and maybe they leave in seventh grade. They arrive in sixth grade and they graduate at 12th grade or they ju jump in at 11th grade, you know. And so... That is unique, I think, compared to other classical schools. And and also just the surrounding culture. Living in South Florida means our billboards are different from your billboards. <laughs> and, you know, um, it is sunny South Florida. It is a tourist attraction. We are very close to Miami Beach, to Hollywood Beach. Um, I mean, we definitely have a distinct culture, and it is not necessarily one that points to the true, the good, and the beautiful. Yeah, that's, that's where we are. That's a really good way. That's a nice way of saying it, I think, <laughs> Kelly, because it's, uh, yeah, the surrounding culture is very uh, worldly. I mean, it's just a nice way of saying it. Um, the, the temptations are here. Uh, I would say South Beach is only if, you know, 10, 15, 20 miles away, but in Miami, Miami traffic, that's actually like an hour and a half drive. Yeah, true. Um, but, uh, but yeah, those worldly things are there. However, there are a lot of people who live down here, but they don't engage in that. They, right. they are God-fearing, church-going people that are looking to serve the Lord. Well, and I would add to that as a school, I think the the culture is definitely not um, spiritually <laughs> helpful, but it's also not academically helpful. Um, a lot of the culture in South Florida is very much focused on um, partying, materialism, there isn't that value for um, kind of art and literature and intellectualism that you get in other, perhaps, you know, equally morally bankrupt cities, such as New York, where I lived for quite some time, but there you at least have um, an intellectual culture that you can sort of play into. Here, a unique challenge is that we don't have that side of a culture. It's more focused on the beach and partying and sort of these very material um, pleasures that it can get be very easy for people to get caught up in. One thing I've liked about this experience down here in South Florida, though, is with that the the surrounding culture being a challenge. If you're a real Christian who wants, who's honestly wants to follow the Lord, you stick out, yeah. And that can be a great thing because it means we find each other easier. 
Definitely. We, we, we're not, and you know, when you see a Christian, you can almost tell because we speak a certain way. Uh, we have, a, 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 we're not having to, we, hopefully, if we're doing things according to Christ, we're not yelling at people at the counter at, mm-hmm. at a store because that brings no value. Um, so it does, we do identify closer together, and I think it makes us a stronger uh, community. So I think those are some of um, the things that make our school unique. There are also some of our challenges that we have at our school. Um, one of the things that we kind of always talk about when it comes to challenges is uh, is finding staff. It's been very hard to find teachers. Again, God brought us both of you through different ways. Um, I'm kind of a, a Sharon Hill's lifer almost, uh, for better or for worse. Um, but we've just been really blessed to have uh, God bring a lot of these great teachers. But we don't necessarily get, right, Kelly? We don't get finished complete classical teachers to want to come here. Right. And so so what are we looking for then? I mean, some of the struggles um, with hiring for us are, are just this missional mindset that you need. Um, someone has to, I think you have to feel called to live in South Florida. I mean, my family definitely feels called to live in South Florida. I love raising my kids here. But this can be a scary place for some people to move. And it's challenging. It's expensive. Um it is a culture shock when you move here and you're not used to traffic like this and in and other cultural things. Um, so we don't necessarily have people graduating uh, with a degree in classical education coming and knocking on the door or answering our <laughs> positions that we have posted. Um, so God does sometimes bring us people that way. But uh, what we tend to have to do is we take people with a spirit that fits with classical education and we're looking for an enthusiasm and a like a maybe like a learn alongside of the kids and be the lead learner and um to have a passion for their souls to have a passion for their minds um, and we can train them to do this in a classical way in fact every teacher who comes and says okay i don't really know what classical education is, but I love it. They're always excited. And they always say things like, this makes so much sense. This is exactly how education should be. And the reason is because classical education fits the way God has designed our brains to develop and to learn. And so we just have to look for teachers who are willing um, to let us come alongside of them. We do a great job of mentoring them and locking arms with them. And we stick with them all the way through and help them grow to be classical educators. And we've, we've looked for profiles uh, in teachers, meaning they, some of them may be classical and they don't know they're classical. They have a passion for reading. They have a passion for literature, what seeking, what is good, true and beautiful. They're not necessarily coming with the PhD in, you know, Greek or whatever they could be getting, but they're yet they're coming um, with a passion, we have to fill in a few gaps here and there. And and again, like you said, once they once they get a hold of the philosophy, they realize this is great, and and they really want to be a part of it. So, uh, and and yet, God this year has sent us a record number of rookie teachers, and even them them having a place to live. We've gotten a little creative. We've had mm-hmm. to make contacts. We've had to um, I've had to make some phone calls and say, Hey, can you take somebody? Can you take mm-hmm. them? But, but by God's grace, we have these great people who are yes. coming here who love the Lord, who love what they're teaching, have a passion for it. And God has really provided regardless of, of even the financial challenges of living down here. So I would say those are definitely some of the challenges that we face sort of on an administrative level. Um, certainly some of the things we talked about, first-generation families uh, to the United States, uh, the language issue. I, I will say that uh, w- we have to be a little creative when we talk to parents sometimes because sometimes I have to do... Uh, parent 
interviews or parent discussions in Spanish, but yet the the the, the children all speak English just fine. Right. Because right. they've grown up. Mm-hmm. To, you know, kids are sponges, right? We know that from classical education. Mm-hmm. When they're at the grammar stage, they're just drinking it in. So they, they take to English rather quickly. Um, really, and the parents, they're just so happy their kids are getting this kind of an education. Um, right. So they're, they're not fighting us on that. And we don't all speak Spanish by any means. I don't. I, I don't. I can hear a little. I can't, you know, probably speak anything. Um, and we're totally fine, just in case anyone's listening and thinks, well, I don't speak Spanish. I couldn't work there. But yes, you could. There's always somebody who does, and I thought, oh, I, I learned Spanish. That's great. But then, then in comes the the grandma who's to pick up her child who speaks uh, Portuguese, and right. I, I, and I don't understand. Or 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 um, I know I know Buna in Russia. Uh, excuse me, in Romanian. That's that's the one thing I know. So I mean, yeah, it's it's uh, just one of the many languages here. But um, Kelly, what's the upside with all these challenges? With all these difficulties that confront us, what are some of the upsides of doing classical education in a place like South Florida? So there are so many, so many blessings that I see, so many benefits. Um, And I have four children of my own. I have, my children have been here. And um, if I can even just backtrack to the, what we said earlier about living here, um, I want my children to live here. I come from the Bible Belt. And you may think, well, it's such a shock to come into a culture like this. But it is actually to me easier to raise my children to love the Lord, to seek the Lord, to choose to glorify Him. Not that we're doing it perfectly. My kids are just kids, but it's easier in a culture where everyone isn't surface level quotation marks Christian. Mm-hmm. You know if someone is a believer in Christ or they are not, and so um, that definitely makes me want to have my kids here in our school in particular. I love the diversity. Just today, I went to a seventh grade civics class, and today they kicked off the Constitution. And we're not talking about the Constitution. They are reading the Constitution. And I told them, you have a responsibility to know what this says so that you hold your government accountable. Our future depends on you, you know, as long as the Lord uh, allow, you know, until Jesus comes. Like, you have this blessing of um, living in a country with a Constitution that lets you, the people— Govern yourselves, and so you have a responsibility. And I asked them, have any of you grown up in families where you have a parent or a grandparent who did not grow up in the United States? So many hands popped up. And I said, if you're willing to share and you have a parent or a grandparent who grew up in a government that does not give freedom and does not let the people govern themselves, would you raise your hand? I had someone raise their hand and say, my family's from Cuba. And I'm like, absolutely, total contrast. They really understand when we talk about freedom. They know the contrast. Another one raised their hand, Venezuela. Um, So I love that. I mean, we naturally have so many different backgrounds coming together. And classical education is so much about um, rhetoric and discussion and trying to find the truth about something through meaningful discussion. And we have such an opportunity for rich discussion because we did not all grow up on the same street. We did not marry a neighbor from four doors down and then have our kids and buy a house six doors from our parents. I mean, which I love, I'm from a community like that. I loved that as well. That can be beautiful, but we have a unique, beautiful opportunity here to bring so many perspectives together. It's a challenge and it's a beautiful opportunity. And what are those misnomers? It's kind of the idea that, oh, you're in an urban place. You're in a bunch of uh, diverse ideas and things and 
and and and it's actually a beautiful thing, not in the way the world wants to say that it's beautiful, but obviously we see the image of God in all people. But I, I'll just be upfront. I'm, I'm a history teacher. When we start talking about communism or despotism or any of these totalitarianism in in, in history, uh, and and we all know that there are certain movements even here in America that that embrace those things that say you know maybe communism communism is good. You know, we don't have that. People think, oh, you're urban, you're dealing with that. No, because our students are sitting there saying, we fled from that. Mm -hmm. We escaped that. My family tasted that. And so it brings such a perspective to everyone. So it has actually kept some of that um, ideologies that are kind of permeating the other parts of the country. We've been insulated from it because we have people who have escaped it and see the true value in Christ, but uh, also in the United States itself. The United States is not um, hated here. We don't do, uh, we don't celebrate diversity at our school. I know even though we're diverse, I know that's a whole other podcast topic for another day, but the, the love of the country because they've, they see it, they see it for what it is. We're not, we're actually more American in so many ways because it's not just an image thing. It's, it's a reality that they get to, to, to live through. Um, Leah, what are some upsides you see of the year? I was going to add on to that and say, you know, the whole idea of classical education is finding the good, the true, and the beautiful wherever we can. Um, and I think that that applies not just to literature that we're reading or art that we're looking at, but also to the cultures and the people that we're interacting with. And I think, again, um, for whatever reason, classical Christian education can often be very insular um, and can be within one culture. And you miss so much beauty and truth that can come from discussing that with those outside of your own direct frame of reference. I, I grew up in classical Christian education. I got a wonderful education, but everyone that I was in class with looked like me, had a similar family to me, had a similar upbringing. There weren't a lot of alternate opinions or, or points of discussion in the classroom. And I think you're able to arrive at truth um, much more in a much more robust manner when you're actually thinking through things, not just all automatically on the same page based on whatever your upbringing was. So I think at the risk of sounding cliche, a lot of our challenges are really our, our biggest strengths and our biggest opportunities to really build um, and help to grow men and women of Christ who actually stand for and buy these things and recognize them and aren't just parroting things that they've heard. Um, so I think that makes it very worth it. Seems like it's an as difficult as it can be. It seems to be a very authentic environment, mm -hmm. which I think is something we all appreciate. Now we have some. We have to do some bridges. We have to build some bridges to accomplish this in this unique environment to do classical Christian education here. Um, Kelly, what are some things that we do to help uh, with this strange transition? This transition for some. Right. So if we know that a student is coming in the fall, then we offer summer bridge programs, not just like you think summer bridge programs, like here's a big workbook, fill it out. You buy it from Costco, work through that. That's not what we mean. Um, we try to acclimate them, um, get them into some of the routines that we have, um, some of the approaches that we have. And so we try to bring them in strong. And at, something else that we do is we do not water it down to bring in newcomers. We just keep aiming high and they rise and jump right in. They, it, and it's like a small period of transition. Um, we use Shirley English. 
there are tons of jingles that they use to learn English grammar. And it's a heavy approach. And our kids who are returning from last year, they know the jingles. They spit them out like fast, fast, fast. Um, And new kids, you see their eyes get big at the beginning and they think, whoa, whoa, whoa. And in a matter of days, they, they jump on and they catch right up. So I love that we... We're not in this perpetual, let's back up and slow down to bring in, again, transient nature of our community. We have um, people coming in maybe even middle of the year or they come in middle of elementary school. We continue to aim high. And if they struggle, we have academic support to help them out. We do invest highly in several personnel on the campus who are there to pull out, to help kids, whether it's with accommodations or whether it's with the classical transition, they're going to help these students because like Kelly said, we want to aim high and help the students reach it versus lowering the bar. Uh, We don't lower the bar. We just have to provide more support in order to accomplish that. Right. And if we can talk about a a kid with accommodations in a traditional school setting, um, it can be, it can look like there's not much room to grow. A classical education is so beautiful for beautiful for kids who are not that just typical fit the school mold kind of kid. Um, a kid who has some legitimate accommodations can absolutely thrive through a classical education. We do so much that's oral at the elementary age. And so if you're a struggling reader, you can still load so much grammar and so much, uh, so many different subjects. Um, we see great growth for kids who maybe they struggle in one area, but because we're approaching things classically, they can thrive in another area, and we do offer that support to help them. So I love that I've seen kids who might look like they're just going to stagnate, still thrive and have such a rich experience here. And and we use things like memory period to help uh, ingrain. We have a podcast coming up on that, 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 that gets them singing things, uh, to get them to memorize big chunks of information. We have the great books project to, uh, get them reading outside of English class, because of course in English, they read a lot, right? Leah, you're pushing them pretty hard. Yeah. And as much as I would love it, if every single one of them, you know, for fun was going home and reading more books, (laughs) sometimes we have to gently, you know, push and guide them in that direction. So the great book projects give them, Um, one additional work of literature or poetry or history to read through each quarter um, and provide some of that supplementary and individual reading beyond just what they're doing in class. With a creative assessment that is Mm -hmm. is not super burdensome for either the child, Mm -hmm. especially the teacher, Um, but the poetry part's a big part too. Leah, I don't know if you know. So Leah teaches my 15-year-old, okay, I get this package delivered to my house from Amazon. I open it, and it's this big collection of Edgar Allan Poe stories. Do you know this? No, this is wonderful. I'm like, who ordered the Edgar Allan Poe book? It wasn't me. It was my 15-year-old son. And he said, so many people in our class are ordering things to read on their own. I just wanted you to know that as their English teacher. And he is choosing to read Edgar Allan Poe on his own because of an appetite that was built in for him to to start reading things on his own, okay? That's a big deal. I also have other children of my own children who I find them reading all the time. They choose reading over food, but this one, you brought something to life. You gave him an appetite, and 
It's pretty cool. That's See, that awesome. Happen. Wonderful. That's and he's not the only one, apparently, in his class. You should wow, ask them. I will. Yeah. I'll ask mm-hmm. around. Yeah. That's, uh, that's this working. Um, so speaking of instances like that, uh, Kelly, what are some victories you have seen in our unique environment? Um, so I, I think of a particular class. They're, they're now 10th graders. Um, and I remember them when they were 6th graders, and they were a challenging bunch. You know, when you have like a class that the teacher's like, oh, you've got them this year. And they're just challenging. And I've watched them develop and grow and mature And now they're so amazing, like as a whole group, they're so amazing. And the things that were just in their immature state when they were sixth graders were things that really now we're seeing are leadership qualities that just weren't, you know, fully developed. And a classical education gives them a chance to not just sit and be lectured to and soak and soak and soak and only take, you know, only receive information but we push them to defend what they believe. Now, is they're getting older, you know, now they're 10th grade, um, like they're being pushed. No, defend what you, what you think about that. And no, show, give evidence. Um, so I think that is a really cool thing that, that those are kids that you could just let them have a reputation for being kind of behavior issues. We don't have really any behavior issues that linger. We have great discipline, but I'm just saying like those undercurrents of challenge. Um, I'm just seeing beautiful maturity. And I think the classical approach is what gave them a place. They wanted to argue very argumentative because they're leader people. And we teach them to argue. Well, we teach them to argue in a way that doesn't lose the respect of the person they're trying to convince. Um, And there's been a lot of, you know, progress and then struggle and progress and struggle. But because God has made us how we are, we naturally absorb information when we're little. We wrestle and challenge it all when we're middle schoolers. And then we get to a point where hopefully if we've matured as we should, and a classical education helps us do that, then we can persuade someone toward truth. We can defend what we believe, what really matters in a way that's respectful of the other person. What about you, Mrs. Fko? I think, as Kelly mentioned, um, in classical education, we want to see that love, that desire ignite in them. Um, and it works so beautifully with the way that the human brain is formed anyway, as, as Kelly mentioned earlier. Um, so for me, a recent example that I can think of is seeing an entire class full of seventh graders reading Shakespeare, reading A Midsummer Night's Dream, and all being absolutely invested in I'm talking, you know, cheering at the parts they're supposed to cheer (laughs) at, um, doing voices, arguing about the characters after class. Um, And I think anytime we see something like that, the love for something that is truly beautiful and truly good, when we see that love ignited, um, I think that's a victory. Speaking of Shakespeare... One of my big victories that we've seen, I've seen at our school, we, I, I had a plan to do a play in the spring. I had a plan. This is what we're going to do. And I was cajoled, uh, if, for lack of a better word, by my son and some others to say, no, we're going to do Hamlet. And I was like, wait, you want to do the hardest play of all humanity. You'd rather do that than the fun 
exciting play that we had planned. No, we'd rather do Hamlet because through this classical education, uh, again, these 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 are people who are coming from all over, and they're saying we want to we want to do more classical uh, theater. So it's just super exciting to see that passion. Whether we do it or not is we'll see. But the whole point is they're excited about something that's four hundred years old and that's four and a half hours long and is in a language that's a little challenging to understand. So it's it's a beautiful thing. So um, we're wrapping up here. Um, Leah, what are your reasons to serve here, and is it worth it? So I would say coming to Sheridan Hills for me, it's now this is my seventh year here, which is incredible. Um, but I would say there have been a few times in my life where God just made his path for me very clear and coming to Sheridan Hills was one of those times where it just, it sort of happened to me <laughs> and God put me there. I don't remember actually interviewing you. I think mm-hmm. we just gave you a contract and said, you're we in. talked about Shakespeare and yeah. then you were like, so when the job starts, I was like, what job? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it's incredible when God does that, when he puts us exactly where we need to be, even when we, we don't realize it ourselves, um, and the, not only his placing me there, but as each and every single day, again, not that I necessarily keep my eye on this each and every single day, though I try to, um, but just that knowledge of being in his will and, um, being where he's called me to be, um, is why I serve because I want to do what he has called me to do. Um, and it just so happens that it's a very unique convergence of my education, my skill set, my interests, um, and my location that led me, um, to exactly where I know God would have me be. Um, so I love being able to serve him in that way every day. And I hope that I think about it that way every day, although some days I'm just impatient with middle schoolers, <laughs> which is completely understandable. Um, is it worth it? Yes, absolutely. Um, I would say, um, again, being here, there have been a few big events in my life and my whole sort of time at Sheridan, I count as one of those sort of as a lump sum of that, those times when you just know that you're in the will of God and you are able to thrive in it overall. Um, and I hope and pray that I am able to stay in that attitude and, and stay in God's will like that. That's great. So Kelly, why did you serve here and is it worth it? Oh yeah. I, I love serving here. So, um, I don't think we mentioned, but I used to homeschool my kids and, Um, there's no question in my mind. I thought we would homeschool until they graduated. I just, I just thought every year I would say, Lord, please, can I stop doing this? And I feel like every year he would say, no, you must continue. So I lived a year to year obedience, um, homeschooling when I felt like that was what he wanted us to do. And, and then I heard uh, a lady mention this school and I could not get it out of my head. And I finally Googled it and I read everything that was on the website and I sent a message and said, can I please come and find out more about this? I, my husband and I both, I, I, all I can say is we were compelled by the Lord to find out more. We came, we took a tour. And um, at the end of the tour, my husband and I looked at each other and we said, 
yes, yes, we didn't have a chance to talk about it. And so, uh, Mr. Spee, you also, you're like, can, you know, you can work here. And I signed a contract not even knowing what subject I would teach. That is correct. But I had been a homeschooler, and so I had, you know, I had done every subject, so I was like, that's fine. Um, I felt so compelled for our kids to be here. Um, And I love my day-to-day life here. I love it. The things that God developed in me while homeschooling my kids and um, taking a classical approach to their education, I want those for all of these kids. I want the beautiful things that my kids were getting when we found classical education. I didn't do a perfect job by any means, you know? I mean, there are gaps and it's my fault and, you know, but the Lord fills in gaps and there were so many beautiful things and it worked so well for how children develop that I wanted to give this to more kids than just my own. And this is my fifth year here. I love these kids. I go to their football games. I go to their uh, basketball games. I go to their volleyball games. Even when my own kids are not playing, I love them. And it's a joy to me. Um, It's pretty cool to get up and want to go to work every day. I genuinely love seeing light bulbs come on for them. I love our staff. I love our administration. I love working in a place that um, takes the Christian part of Christian education seriously, and it's absolutely worth it to me. Well, I appreciate both of you being here, and uh, and I don't mean just on the podcast. I mean at our school. Uh, I, it's definitely uh, something uh, that the parents, I, I say that as an administrator, but also as a parent uh, who's had his kids in both of your classes. It is uh, very much appreciated. You know, going back to Casablanca as we wrap up, you know, not spoiling the end if you haven't seen it, but if you haven't seen it, listeners, you should definitely see it. Uh, at the end, one of the main characters says uh, to another one, welcome back to the fight. This time I know our side will win. And I can tell you sometimes in South Florida, as we think about classical Christian education in a place like this, we can get a little discouraged. We can sometimes run into those obstacles. But in the end, we know the victory is in Christ. We know that he will do his work here. And we've seen him do it. It's not us. It's him who's doing the work. And I I do think we need this character's optimism, knowing we're serving in Christ. And we serve him wherever he sends us. If he sends us to New York, if he sends us to Zambia, uh, Moscow, Russia, Moscow, Idaho, uh, West Palm Beach, or you know, right here in Hollywood, Florida, wherever God has us, uh, that's where we need to serve. And we're going to bring classical Christian education to our students. So uh, again, thank you listeners for being with us. And thank you, Leah. Thank you, Kelly. And until next time, seek what is good, true, and beautiful. Thank you for joining us. The opinions expressed on this program are that of the hosts and the guests. The podcast is produced by Alex Halpert. Sheridan Hills Christian School is a ministry of Sheridan Hills Baptist Church.